I'm Andrew Norton, and this is Completely Optional Knowledge. Jessica Abel makes comic books, and she is always looking to science and the animal kingdom and really all the weird stuff that we look at for inspiration. I've been thinking about this topic for a long time. I've been really wondering if there are any actual animals, real animals, that are essentially indestructible in some way. That they're just unbeatable, invincible. So, so they can't die, or, or, or it's really hard to kill them. They can live in really extreme circumstances, and they survive all kinds of things. Okay, because when I hear indestructible or invincible, I think we got to give that that little clause, right? Because even Superman can die or has weaknesses, right? Kryptonite is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you said you've been thinking about this for a long time. I'm wondering why you're curious about this question. I'm working on a comic book called um, Trish Trash, Roller Girl of Mars. And, you know, I just feel like the fiction is stronger if it's grounded in science. Like, for example, there's a kind of... Um, scorpion I've heard about that lives in the desert that drinks the dew that kind of lands on its body. Wow. Um, and there's hardly any dew, you know, it's not yeah. like a lot, but it's enough for this animal. And that's real. And so that had an influence on the way I was thinking about the Mars of my fiction. All this talk about uh, these animals that are incredibly resilient makes me realize how incredibly unresourceful I am as just a being on this earth. I get really ornery if we're out of frozen yogurt, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get chilly without my sweater. <laughs> right, put things in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Andrew Norton, and this is the Completely Optional Knowledge Podcast, brought to you by Greenpeace. Ask, inquire, seek the truth. The show where we take questions that make you go, huh? And we try and make you be like, oh. To answer Jessica's question, we went to Dr. Roberto Gadetti, who works at the University of Modena. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can totally answer that one for you. I think so, because tardigrades, uh, they are very close to be like this. So uh, taking a step back, you say these things called tardigrades. Am I saying that right? Yeah, tardigrades. Yeah. Okay. And tell me, what, what do these things look like? What, what are they? They are also called commonly uh, as a water bear. Water bear. Because they look like uh, a small uh, bear. These things sound really cute. Yeah, they are very, very nice. There are also several <laughs> uh, puppets uh, have been made that look like tardigrades. They look like tardigrades. Do you have a tardigrade puppet in your office? Yes, yeah, several. Several, yes. <laughs> wow, wow. So how do they look like bears? Explain that. Yeah, they look like bears because they are, I mean, they are cute, but they don't have uh, four uh, legs as uh, bears, but they have eight legs. Uh, so okay. they have uh, four pair of legs. So they're better than a bear. Yeah, they are a little <laughs> bit better, but they are very small. They are less than one millimeter. Wow. They're not like a one-cell organism. They're, they're actual creatures, right? Yeah, they are multicellular animals. They are really animals. Tiny, very tiny animals, but they, they are really animals like a dog, like us. I mean, they have all the system, a muscular system, nervous system. They have a brain. Huh. They have a mouth, they have a gut, they have a muscular system. They are complete animals. These things are very similar to, to animals, to us. But the only thing that they don't have is a circulatory system and a respiratory system because they are tiny and they don't need it. So where, where can you find them? In everywhere. I mean, really in everywhere. They, they, they can be in your garden or uh, on a tree, in moss and lichens, uh, in the turf, uh, in the soil 
or they can colonize uh, rivers, streams. Uh, wow. Uh, and they can be found all over the world. So I might be surrounded by them right now. Yes, you, you maybe you, you don't know that, but when you walk on, on a field or on a park, you can meet them without uh, problem. It's the only <laughs> problem that you cannot see them, but they are there. And you said you can find them all over the world. All over the world, yes. From Arctic to Antarctic, to the very high mountains, to deserts. They are so strong that they can survive in these extreme environments. So tell me a little bit about this, how these things are kind of invincible. Why is that? Because they, they can survive dry. To be active, these animals need a film of water surrounding their body. If the water is not available, for example, because uh, it's drying or it's fro is, uh, freezing, they just dry and they can stay dry for many, many years and they can withstand really extreme conditions like uh, minus 272 degrees wow. or 150 degrees Celsius, I mean. And they survive to this very high or very low temperature. So they need water to live. And when there's no water around, they kind of freeze up and almost die and then come back to life when the conditions are right. Yes, they suspend animation. So they stop every biological action. They are like a stone. So you just look at them and they just look dead. Is that right? Yes, yes, they just look dead. Wow. It's some kind of resurrection, I would, I would say. Resurrection, I like that. And when they are in this condition, they can be placed, for example, in a freezer at minus 80. And after 10, 20 years, we take out from the freezer, put a drop of water, and they can walk around again without wow. a problem. Wow. So have you ever seen one of these things actually die? Yeah, I mean, they, they can die. They can be killed if uh, you've broken them by, by a needle, for example, if you... Uh, mecha mechanically broken them, they, they can die. I they see. cannot survive to this. What, what kind of extreme places have you found these things? In 2010, I've been in Antarctica to study these tardigrades. Huh. And in Antarctica, they, they are one of the most common animals that uh, is present in that uh, continent. Wow. What, ab what about in space? In space, we sent tardigrades in space. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I was, I was half kidding, but that's amazing. No, no, no <laughs> yes, yes. In, in the, the mission of uh, 2007, they have been also exposed to the open space condition. Oh, wow. When they were dry. And uh, they saw that the, the vacuum didn't affect uh, the animals. I mean, they survived without problem to vacuum. Wow. They survived without problem to the low temperature. The only thing that killed them was the cosmic radiation. So that's their weakness, is a, is a cosmic radiation. Yes. <laughs> so I guess I'm wondering, what is it that excites you about studying these things? You obviously have gone to great lengths to, to find these little water bears. What is it that, that keeps you searching for them and keeps you curious about them? It is almost uh, 15 years that I'm studying tardigrades. Uh, wow. And the first time that I look inside with a microscope to watch them uh, walking uh, in the water. Um, when I saw them, uh, I mean, I felt in love. This minute uh, size is interesting to, to understand uh, how it works, uh, all the system, with the, in a very so tiny uh, animals. And they're cute. And they're cute. That is something important.
This is very, very useful for Mars. You're like a Mars prepper, eh? You've obviously thought very detailed about the practicality of living on another planet. Well, I mean, that's what it takes to write science fiction. You've right, really got to right. think it through. Sure. I'm looking at the image search. You okay. see the teeth on this sucker? Yeah, let me let me let me do that. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, they are kind of cute, but like also <laughs> sort of weird and gross. I'm wondering, is the tardigrade going to show up in uh, Trish Trash Roller Girl of Mars anytime soon in your comic? Um, not directly, but you'll know he's in there. The other thing that I found funny, too, was thinking of these tardigrades as a bit of a superhuman or superhero. It's like, okay, here are their weaknesses. Cosmic radiation. It's like, okay. And getting broken in half. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell people. Oh, my main weakness, getting crushed, uh, getting broken in half. Completely Optional Knowledge is presented by Greenpeace. It's produced by J.P. Davidson. Breakmaster Cylinder made our theme music. And me, I'm Andrew Norton. Head over to completelyoptionalknowledge.org to hear more episodes, to subscribe, and to, of course, ask us your questions because we need your weird questions to keep this thing going. Leave us a voicemail with your questions and feedback at 202-697-6912. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks with more Completely Optional Knowledge. And hey, if you like the podcast, do us a favor and tell someone about it. Share it on Twitter, on Facebook, um, you know, LinkedIn. Uh, get your MySpace account fired up and, and just share the podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Science.